0: Turtle Tracks podcast. I'm your host Brian Van Hooker, and I'm here with Richard Usher, also known as uh, MC Golden Voice or GV from Partners in Crime. How you doing today, Richard?
1: Doing well, Brian. What's up? Good to good to uh, finally connect with you.
0: You too. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm going to dive right into this. Uh, the big question: What made you yes. fail as the leader? Oh, uh-huh. say that
1: again. Oh, you went right for it. <laughs> you went right for it. Right for the jugular. Look at you. <laughs> um, so the 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 short story is um, when we got the plot points that were given to us for the by the for the film by um, the record company A and R. So we never got to see the film, but he got to see the film. So he had notes from it. And if people always so, it's so funny. Like like you said this. Every time we meet fans and you'll see it in a lot of comments like All right, Leonardo is the leader. Um, <laughs> but if if people think back, though, if you think of the first film, if that's your first time you're seeing that um, the turtles uh, in that way and then you you catch it from the film, you know, Raphael draws so much of the plot point. Oh, yeah. And you could, sure. He is. So that's what that's what happened. You just answered is Exactly what happened. So it's not like um someone um the franch- guys were directly from the franchise or Kevin and those guys told us all that stuff. They went straight from the movie. And that's and that's what they came up with, because Raphael dominates a lot of that.
0: Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. I, I'm sure yeah. you've heard from a lot of a lot of nerds like me pestering you guys. About- uh- Oh, <laughs> um, of
1: course, and, and, and not just you're cracking me up. Not just the film nerds, just you know the people with the general love that know, like you said, that know the franchise. But how about the kids? When we shot the music video, we were shooting the music video, and so that you know the song was still pretty brand new. There were like a handful of kids in the park when when it was playing, and they heard it, and they were they were hearing it, and they were going, they were going, oh, I don't know they were, they were actually sounded like this. Leonardo it was like what are those kids saying Leonardo leader it was like what are they saying when they got close they were like leonardo's the leader and so we were like oh we we're like all oh, the records it was already cut though the record was already cut so we we're like oh, okay 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 i said well you know hopefully oh i should say thankfully the record was a hit anyway
0: oh yeah i mean uh we'll get yeah that, but i understand later versions you've uh, tweaked it a little bit uh in some some absolutely absolutely bro <laughs> what do you say what absolutely. do you say in those
1: ones absolutely uh well we did a version for um for TMNT out of the shadows it did uh for the uh video game and there's a there's a special version in there where where uh Raphael is the bad boy of the group <laughs> uh and then there's another you guys can look for uh, another future version that will also uh, make a correction to those lyrics for all the the, the true fans and, and, and you know that love it at heart. After uh, thirty years, I think they could get a version like that.
0: Well, you were vindicated in a, in the most recent turtles cartoon. Uh, Raphael was made the leader for a bit. <laughs> I,
1: I heard that, and, and and there were people that were going <laughs> like one of my uh, buddies. Uh, Andre, the black nerd comedy who who is just big time on YouTube, and he's he right away got on Twitter and was like, "Listen, partners in crime, I' just gonna let you guys know you said it first <laughs> you helped bring this whole thing on. He's like, you were right from the beginning uh on that, which I think is just a fun, wonderful twist that they took it for tmNt rise and let Raphael be the leader. I love that for so those was-
0: yeah, it was a nice little, <laughs> <nod>. <laughs> and uh, Andre, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in <laughs> one of your videos later too.
1: Yes, yes, uh, wonderful guy, wonderful fan of the Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a chance to meet with him uh, at, at other events, and one of the guys that were putting the uh, helping us to produce and put the video together reached out to to um, Andre, who was a host at one of the events we were at. To also try to be in the video and and just what a great sport, what a wonderful guy. It was great to meet him and and know him now. Uh, and it's so wonderful just to see him doing his thing, um, movie related, oh, yeah, yeah comics related. He, he he works really hard, so he's he's a great guy.
0: Oh yeah, seems uh, he's he's everywhere and made like a great. He's just a great personality for us. Um, you know, yeah. wind a little bit, I guess, to get to the beginning of the story. Now, then we got that out of the mm-hmm. way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead, I
0: wanted to know what, what got you into music when you were younger.
1: I think the really my earliest uh influences when you ask it in that way would be my dad. So mm-hmm. my my dad was uh was a bit of an audiophile for sure. Um he had a, a great home collection that that you know just growing up most people have a lot of the music that they really like. At home in some way, shape or form, they go out and buy like this is my genre, I like this, I have it. Uh, just the nature of my dad was besides the music he really liked. he really wanted to get a little bit of he had a, a music library at home of most every genre. So we're talking about classical, rock, Latin, uh blues, jazz, r and b. Um, all of that stuff was, uh, we had a little music library that my dad had and that influenced me early because it was a lot of stuff as a kid, music he had, especially jazz that I just didn't get till I got older. Mm-hmm. Um, but he shared, he shared that with me, opened opened uh, uh, my ears to that and classical music. Um, so he had a real love for all types of music and that's, that's really what I think got me there.
0: Oh, very cool. So, so tell yeah. me that you do, uh, to chapter three, you can tell
1: the audience a little bit about what chapter three was. Yeah, so chapter three was um, our foray. That was one of my first uh, earliest rap groups that came during the days of uh, of hip hop, rap when it was before it was hip hop. It was it was rap um, with the pioneers. So I was born and raised in Brooklyn, uh, born and raised early in Brooklyn, but I moved to the Bronx around age eight. And at the years that I was in the Bronx as a young teen, by the time I was a young teenager, uh, rap was starting to to grow and begin. And there were older teenagers and um, who were really starting this thing. And I just happened to be right up in that area in Northeast Bronx, where you're talking about Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, Cool Herc and the Hercules. You're talking about all the cats that were um, really the pioneers of it coming out of the Bronx. I, uh, Cold Crush Brothers, The Treacherous Three, uh, The Funky Four Plus One More, um, Fantastic Five MCs. I got to see all these um, older teens doing this music firsthand in the parks. And uh, just an amazing, the feel, the energy and that music and the vibe that it brought Um, and watching these guys perform was electric and it was like, oh, that's something I, I wanted to be a part of. So myself and some schoolmates, um, we were like, we want to get in on this because we just love not only the music and the fun of the action, but also you're at that age where, you know, you're, you're loving, you're liking girls. So you're like, oh, and girls, this will probably be, you know, impressive. We can get out here and bust some rhymes, uh, which of course it was if you could. So that was a great incentive for any young teens. Who are getting into it? So, chapter three was one of our um, was one of the earliest groups that I actually recorded records for uh, with Grand Groove Records. Again, you're talking old school pioneer hip hop, which is real interesting because people that heard about us as partners in crime, um, they had no idea where any of the roots of us came from, especially me. That I came from authentically pioneer rap in the Bronx, and thought maybe. They had no idea. So maybe we were just some guys who got into it, jumped real quick and made some rhymes about turtles. But it's like, no, I really went a lot deeper than that. So that was one of my earliest groups. The record was helped to be broken on um, local New York radio by a guy named Mr. Magic. You may have heard of him from Mr. Magic's Rap Attack. He's one of the um, oldest pioneers of playing rap in new york city so he was playing rap on a small wattage radio station in new york uh only like on a thursday night really late i think it was thursday and maybe saturday um oh. at, at a time where where mainstream radio wasn't playing it yet and he helped to uh, also he played the record he interviewed us on there and uh um that was a sort of you know just something big so that was a kid Be rock Uh, was in my group. Um, CJ was the other MC. Uh, We had um, DJ, uh, uh, I'm I'm Messing My Guys Up, Butch, and and T-Ski Valley, who's another great old school pioneer, um, some of our old school DJs, he did a big song called Catch the Beat. And it's still a a classic old school rap track. And what he did was, He was the first one of our little group that got to a record producer in the Bronx, Jamaican record producer, who authentically from Jamaica was doing uh, dance hall reggae dub plates that he. He knew bands from Jamaica, he also was starting here at a record store in New York, and he started producing records and rap was becoming hot, he was like, he loved what it was doing and he's like I want to record some guys doing this locally. and. Uh ski Valley, who was one of our DJs, was one of the first guys recorded for Grand Group Records. He did that record catch the beat. You guys can look it up. Um, it's a great record. Like I said, it's still he still performs and does stuff with it today. And then he told the producer, hey, I got some other guys in my group that you gotta check them out. They're great, they're fun. And they're like, all right, let's see what they got. So we went down, we met Brad is his name, was his name. Uh may he rest in peace now. Um, Brad Osborne and a uh, Brad's records then in the Bronx. And Brad loved what we, he heard us. Uh, we did a little stuff for him. He said, I, I want to record you guys. And so our first uh, major records were uh, in high school. Two of them were with him on Grand Groove Records. Um, again, no one was really doing that at that time. It was just a very small amount of people in the Bronx that were uh, kind of making them on that level uh, of record, of, of local rap records.
0: Which one played on the radio first? Was it Real Rock and Groove?
1: Yes, it was Real Rock and Groove.
0: Do you remember the moment
1: when you first heard That was it, our first uh, big record. Um, that was For us then, that would have been, that was Mr. Magic's radio. Yep. So I a reason I really remember that moment uh, is because we were invited to the station when he did it. He did the interview and mm. played it for us. And I mean, that's, you know, again, for high school guys, you know, you're, you're on cloud nine to hear that. And then on other nights, you could, we would tune in after that night and, and it would be playing on this, on his radio station again, like the only one really playing rap um, that started playing it and with all the other records, your record would come up. I mean, we, we were excited. We we actually did one record dub plate, Brian, that was prior to those records, the first actual record we did was on a, a label, um, well, the song was called Mix Master. And I'm trying to remember the label at the moment, I can pull up something, but it, it actually became now, so when you look for it now, uh, it, and that was a guy, again, rap was almost at that time, when I tell you, if you remember the stories of blue, the blues, uh, the history of the blues, it, when when people were recognizing that local guys down south with these amazing blues players, you would hear stories of how someone would rush to record them somewhere, even in a it was a little record shop or wherever they did it. That's how rap was at that time. It was like it was so new and hot that people that were hearing is like, we got to get this on record. And uh, we did one at another record shop. It was a guy that I was in the uh, scouts with. He was a drummer. And he's like, I know some guys that are recording and we got to get you on tape. So that actually was the very first record that we ever did. And when we look it up now, it's a rare record that comes up um, for sale some places like, you know, $50 for a plate Uh, or whatever. Stuff like, yeah, it is, except I wish I had a box of them laying around. But (laughs) it it still is. (laughs) It was on the label was shavon's records, uh spelled like S-H-E-V-O-N-E S. And the song was called uh Mixed Master, and it has us in a golden voice, CJ Kid B rock. And that was from then we became the chapter three after that.
0: Oh, very cool. And I know it, it, yeah. I'm forgetting the name of the magazine, forgive me, but like uh chapter three was listed as one of like the earliest hip-hop groups in existence.
1: Yes. Yes. So the the book that that or anybody who's a rap fan, uh, a true authentic rap fan, you really want to check out. These guys did an amazing job. It's called Ego Trip Book of Rap Lists. So there's a number of guys that were writers there. I believe a number of them either worked with the source directly or went on to work with the source. And they they went and did this whole uh, book compilation. that that just delves into the pioneer history of rap and where it started. And and we're listed in there, yep, as uh, some of the pioneers of rap in the Bronx, which was amazing. And no one was thinking that at the time. Um, We had no idea, you know, for us, uh, I would tell anybody, uh, my perspective at that time was, oh, yeah, we love it. We're doing it. This is our, our small little area in the Bronx. I'm like, oh, probably everybody's doing this thing all over in different places. So I met some some people from France who are hip hop heads. I met years later. And they were like, I met them someone, they were like, We know that group, chapter three, we know that your group. We know that group. I was like, well, how do you know? It's like it's, it's it was in the history of records, like stuff, your your early stuff. And I said, well, I thought they were doing it everywhere. He's like, no, it was just a small area. Eagle Trip was like, you guys in that area of the Bronx were a small area that were doing it to that level and making records. And you weren't like a band. So that's one thing. They were like, because some of the first re- records were King Tim the Third by the Fatback Band. And of course, a little later on, you get Sugar Hill and those things. They're like, well, no, you guys were just like local kids and teens that were making this this you know extraordinary music and uh and it was even before people were capturing it we were doing it out in parks um out in out in park concerts and jamming so i thought everybody was just doing it and they're like no everybody wasn't doing it it was a special thing at that time
0: that's awesome so tell me how did how did you get from chapter three to partners in crime
1: So that was cool. What the big jump was uh, going from high school to college, and so when I went to uh, college at Syracuse University uh, early on, so I'm coming from the Bronx, going to upstate New York to go to school, and um, coming off of having records out in high school. So anyone who knows a little bit about rap music and from New York, they might have heard of us, or they certainly knew Mr. Magic and they knew the movement. So I went to a party. Uh, early on in my freshman year. And um, they were playing, you know, beats, records, jams. They were playing rap and other stuff. And I was like, oh, let me, you know, can I get on the mic? I heard some guys jamming. I was like, let me get on. If y'all get a chance, I can get on and rock a little bit. They were like, okay. So I got on. I started just rock the mic, just rock some rhymes and have some fun with it. And people were like, oh, this is nice. You guys are nice. You know, I was like, yeah, I was with the chapter three. And they were like, oh, we heard of you guys um, out of the bronze or with Mr. Magic. At the same party, what uh, I'm there watching this cool um, white kid cutting and scratching. And I was like, well, and rap is still fairly new. This is in the, in the 80s, <laughs> um, especially for Upstate. I was like, well, who is this kid? And when I tell you, so people who really also know different uh, genres of music know the group of uh, Talking Heads. I, when I tell you that Jim just, you know, to me, he looked like he could have been uh, David Byrne, the lead singer from the Talking Heads, uh, the younger brother is really what he looked like. But he had this amazing, he was, he was cutting and scratching, he was tearing it up. And I was like, yo, you're nice. You know, what's going on, man? My, you know, I told him my name's Rich. He said, my name's James. And he's like, yo, you're good on the mic, man. It's nice to hear you. I said, yeah, I am come, come from the Bronx. And he was local to Syracuse. So we hit it off right away and we just um, had talked to each other. And at that party, we were like, well, why don't we like try to hook up and and let's do stuff, maybe either parties or whatever. And he was like, cool. Um, And what we started doing was um, because Jim had the ability, Keymaster Snow um, from Partners in Crime, he had the ability not only to DJ, which was great, but he also could play keyboards. And he had um, a great, you know, knowledge of, uh, engineering enough to us when we wanted to start recording that. I mean, he knew his way around that. And then my skills of not only the rap stuff, but I had some DJ skills myself um, because all MCs always... Uh, when, one of the big things we always say is, uh, in rap, or especially starting out early, is all the MCs, when they had free time, we wanted to get on the turntables. And all the DJs, when there was free time, they wanted to get on the mic. So it was always fun. To play around. In fact, people don't remember that run of Run DMC. He was a DJ before he rapped, so that it was a lot like that early on. um Because DJs always wanted to try out their skills rapping, and then the and then the rappers always want to try out their skills DJ. So I had some ability to know how to mix records and know beats and how to um, make records flow a bit, and then coming right from that and knowing how to rap and write. And then Jim had the ability with the records and he had the music thing and his writing ability with uh, music and stuff together. We just, we put that together and formed um, the earliest bits of par- Partners in Crime. And then one other gentleman in Syracuse, Nader Hatem, um, he joined us. So we had three guys for a while, while in school. Yeah, he, he, and and the only reason he didn't come to New York where we got our break was his family owned a a big family restaurant at Syracuse. And he just still, he just decided he wanted to still stay by the family and the family business, which we respected completely. But, um, Phantom MC Phantom rock actually had a single out on tough city records before he'd gotten with us. Um, and he was a lot of fun. So ethnically what was cool was, uh, You have like a Palestinian Lebanese guy, that's (laughs) what Phantom Rock was his background. Uh, Jim, uh, myself as African-American, Jim White uh, with Jewish background, you had this ethnic ethnic mix right from the beginning, uh, but was very cool. Um, And it just, it all came together um, as we went further. But like I said, Nader did not come to New York uh, and that's where the break happened for Partners in Crime.
0: Do you recall uh how the how you guys came up with the name? I
1: think that was all me. I think that was all me. I'll give you a fun thing on the uh on the acronym. So that's why I'll just throw this to you as a turtle friend. That's why as people ask me, uh what who do I relate to as a turtle the most? What cracks me up is I love all the turtles, I always give that answer. Not just because it's stock, because I realize the the genius with Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird was to you found basic personalities for these teenage turtles that that you find in almost any of your friends or you and yourself, so you could kind of always fit yourself into one of these um, major personalities. So I definitely had a lot of Leo the leader vibe <laughs> in me. Um, Raphael with some edge for sure um uh so when i say that i'll say yeah but the title was definitely my idea the idea of something that was um guys that were super tight because that's an old expression uh of people who are really close uh they're like partners in crime but it was never for criminal activity right. um at all um that was never in fact the acronym crime which is another reason why i spelled it purposely spelled it not like crime is spelled but k-r-y-m-e was for keeping rhythm your motivating energy we just wanted to give an acronym to that sort of substantiated okay these guys are about the music they're not really trying to be stick up kids or anything which we weren't and the great thing is the turtles anytime you think about it i mean it it just the the idea of what they represent as crime fighters themselves and standing for truth and justice they wouldn't really have Uh, associate with criminals but they could relate to guys that know how to get down like tight like criminals to get things done yeah in a good way because you see that all the time you know batman and, and others that are those kind of heroes which are they can get down and dirty you know and you and those are fun those are fun hero heroic characters as well
0: so you and james uh you and jim go to go to new york and uh how did you guys get yourself to uh to the turtles
1: So we were I was working. uh, I got a job working for a radio station, a a popular one in New York. Uh, It worked out. I started as I actually got the job as an intern the year before during the summer and then um, was able to come back. And they hired me the following the year after and coming out of school. And so being working right in a major R&B station in New York at that time, WBLS radio station. The great thing was, uh, I mean, that's, that's where, you know, music is happening. And that's where things are, are happening and breaking all the time. So much so that right at where I worked, you had guys that come in to represent their record labels to try and shop a record. What you would do, what happens at major stations is, um, guys from the labels um, come as music representatives and they have a couple of new songs they want to break or whatever. So they come to the label, up to the radio station to talk to the uh, program director or the music director to try to sit down with them, get them to hear the record and get them their interest in, their air to it. And would they be interested in like, do you like this band? Like, can we get it on? Can we get some play on it? What do you guys think? So much so at that time that one of the guys that used to come and do that you would know today, and he was a fledgling guy who would come in there and try to get records played, and you would know his name as Puff Daddy, or P. Diddy, wow. <laughs> Sean Combs, yes, yeah, for up, for Uptown Records. He was one of those guys that would just come in, you know, he hustled a lot back in the day uh, before he made it, he was a dancer, and then he started to work for Uptown, and he'd come, and I remember he'd be one of those guys just trying to get a record played for the label uh and you know he went on a huge thing so that's the kind of atmosphere it was so i i had networked naturally there we were um working on demos the whole time while we were there we worked on demos uh in new york uh whenever we could and we learned that from doing it in syracuse by the way before we left we got good at making demos um and just trying to whatever your craft is. So my quick lesson I always tell whenever I go and speak to people is that whatever you're working on for yourself, if you have a passion that you you really love, but it's not it's not clicking, it's not happening, it hasn't taken you to the next level. That if it's something you think you really are you are passionate about and you like it, just keep working at it. Um, and no matter what you do, so I, I worked a regular job while I still worked on my passion. Um, until what happened was when an opportunity presented itself, you know, um, we, as the band, we were ready for the opportunity because why you kept work. I wasn't, we weren't easily discouraged because we, we got a lot of people that liked what we were doing. Um, but we also got, we didn't get the big yeses we were looking for. So we got a lot of no's as well. But what we did is we just stayed focused on, you know, we think we got something good here. So let's just keep working at it. Um, so we got good at knowing how to make uh, demos and move along into another song and another vibe or whatever it was. So, someone I had gotten our demo to, uh, who I networked with at our station, they got it to an A and R, uh, an A at a record label because I work in I work in New York City radio. So those people are, are around. So the connections happened, and that A person got it to a new and upcoming. Uh, record label that was affiliated with EMI Records, which was a longstanding uh, label. But the new label was SPK Records, and that that's a label that you guys know that also birthed um, well more largely than um, Vanilla Ice. As well was my label mate, as well as uh, TechnoTronic, which you guys certainly know. Um, as and you know the and you know the Ninja Turtle movie sound, uh, soundtracks and other things. But those are some of the more uh, big 90s acts that that people were affiliated uh, would know. Um, So we got our demo to someone who got it eventually to SPK EMI. And they gave they gave me a call like they were like, all right, we like the demo a lot. You know, we love what you guys have here. And how the connection to the turtles happened was they said what we do have, though, is in addition to really liking your demo, but we have a project on the table that we need a song for though right now. So we were like, okay, well, what's that? And they were like, you know, have you heard of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? And I was like, okay, well, I've I've heard of the cartoon and I know the comic book. I said, other than that, I don't really know, but I know I see them. So he's like, yeah, well, that's what we need, right? We need need a, a lead song, a main song, like right away. And we were accepting... You know, we're accepting songs, but we need something. You guys think you can write something for it? And I was like, okay, I said, well, let me talk. We talked about it. So let me talk to my partners. We we talked about it a bit that night. And 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 like I say to people all the time, you would think that some people might say automatically, like, heck yeah, we're just gonna, that's great, let's just do it. But we had thought a little bit because I'm coming from old school rap and hip hop authentically is do you want your first project to be a kid's project? I don't know. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. It was something to think about, though, because like anything, it could be something that you're going to get pigeonholed in. And are you okay with that? So we talked about it because we also I mean, we took our rap and hip hop seriously, which because we were doing there are there are still songs that we hope one day you guys may hear in some uh, ideation. Because there are things that were recorded that you guys haven't heard yet, but it might happen, which would be great. Um, So you would really hear what that what that flavor of some of those other things were. Um, But we did think about it. And we also we came to the conclusion that, you know what, at least it's an opportunity that may get our foot in the door. And you don't know what will come from it. And it's a major film. So take a shot. Why not? So we uh, I told him, yeah, you know, we're we're interested in doing it. So he called me on a Friday, the a and Friday evening, and got home and he ran down the plot points to the film. And uh, he took notes in the movie and I took notes off that phone conference. And like I go back to tell you, Brian, um, the practice we had at, even though uh, we got the discouraging nose at times was to just still keep making, following our passion making music, learning how to make songs in a timely manner. Uh, we got the demo uh, notes on a Friday, and by Monday morning, I'll tell you, by Monday, we had you gave them a finished demo. So uh, what I'll say is that happened because we weren't discouraged from, from uh, our passion and knowing how to put records together into it because what it might have done was because we were so used to putting this stuff together we might have even beat now two things one is it didn't sound like it was a one-off it didn't sound it, it was very close to what you guys know as the final record that's how that's how accomplished it. we had gotten to putting our, our songs together um but so it didn't sound like it was just something just thrown away a quick throwaway or whatever but um also just the fact that we may have beaten other people to the, to the punch because we can, we can produce it in that, in that speed. So that was a blessing, man. And it just came together. They loved it. They said, they sent it out to, um, to golden harvest, uh, films pictures who were based in China. And uh, we later found out was the same Raymond Chow, president of golden harvest who green lighted Bruce Lee which tied us all together, which we love Bruce Lee <laughs> and the Ninja Turtles, uh, that film got made because, because Hollywood was passing on that idea of the ludicrous idea of these, these teenage turtles and nobody saw any uh, value in trying to make that kind of movie. They thought it was just a wash, it was just too crazy. And, and Golden Harvest, again, the, the, the film company that, that brought Bruce Lee to the big screen, Was like no, it sounds like something we could, you know, would be fun, and we're going to take a shot with it. So I love the the TMNT Bruce Lee connection for all the TMNT fans, Um, and that's how we got connected, man. That's the the film. They said that uh, Golden Harvest loved it when they heard it. They heard the demo. They heard the record. They're like, "This is it. We love it." The Turtle Power was was (laughs) born.
0: I mean, such a great, catchy, like it works. it, It works it so perfectly, and it's like captures the era so nicely, like, it just, like, it's it's perfect for the movie, it really is.
1: Yeah, we appreciated that. It just sort of, it, you know, I guess the term now is organically it, that it happened when we just vibed out, you know, I just, one of the things I like to do as a writer is when either, I got the description again from a you know, and he was describing it to me, I just kind of threw myself into what that would be, what that kind of vibe would be like, but the big key for us, the huge key was, I think, looking back, in retrospect, was I didn't write it. Um, I didn't write the song for kids. I just wrote the song. Um, so so the difference is sometimes if someone's like, I'm going to write it like if something's more Sesame Street, yeah. you know, it feels like you are writing it for kids. It's like I, I, I never felt like I was like, you know what, I'm just going to write the song. I'm just gonna flow it, man. I don't I, whatever. I'm just gonna flow this track. And I and when I tell you to this day, because there's, there's two things from that, Brian, that's fun. One is by the time the song was finished, and I was a lot younger anyway, I and there were so many words on the paper, right? I was like, <laughs> but it was fun. I flowed, you know, the song has so much in the verses that when i perform it now i'm like who wrote this it's so long it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> but the fun thing is the fun thing about that anyway is um again i'll meet i'll meet 30 year olds now and 40 year olds now who were who were young then and they're like you don't understand i knew all the
0: lyrics oh, yeah same here <laughs> I, I dare not I dare not sing anything ever, but I <laughs> know every, and like it's, and you're right. It's so like beautifully wordy in parts, like trans yes, yes. norm of the nuclear goop. It's just so like choosing yes. choice of words, but it just works. Beautifully. Yes. So great. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yep. I appreciate that. That was just the poetic, the poet in me and everything I just wanted that the poetry to flow. Um, when it first one of the first radio stations that played it in new york similar to the question you asked me before was z100 a huge oh wow top yeah. 40, yeah all right so you know them huge pop top 40 station played it there's the first station i heard in new york that played it and the the announcer goes i think it was scott shannon who was huge
0: oh yeah, yeah, it, yeah i know the name for <laughs> sure uh, I he to, was I like live in Brooklyn, too, so I I, I know those things and stuff. So. Oh, nice. So that's why you know that.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, when I tell you the line you just said, so after the record played, he goes, transformed from the norm by the nuclear goop. <laughs> and that, I just cracked up. But it was a great line. I mean, he pulled it. He's like, that's partners in crime with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. When I tell you hearing Casey Kasem oh, give wow. us... The shout right the shout out on the countdown which we have somewhere I have the audio, I mean again that's the voice of other people might know him as from uh, uh, Shaggy from, Shag- yeah. from Scooby Doo oh. but an amazing uh, radio announcer announcer professional uh, for many years uh, yes loved it loved wow. it wow
0: that's I I I can't even picture the Casey Kasem leading it I got the, I have to hear that <laughs> <The> music. <laughs>
1: I'll try and get. I'll try and get that to you. I'll try. That's so you hear.
0: cool. I love that. <laughs> and I, I like, I yeah, it, but I think, like, I think the reason why, and it, it, like, is it, it's an objectively good song. Like, and th- I think the ultimate proof of that is how big it got. I mean, I, for th- yeah. I, I realize how like it was. It reached number th- from. If I'm wrong, but it reached number thirteen here, and not yes. only one in the UK. But the first hip-hop song ever to hit number
1: one in the UK is that right? Yeah yeah which which blew my mind. I'm gonna tell you, I only recently um got that information in that manner and the and the way I got it was the BBC radio right. uh, interviewed me recently and they were like, you know this was like the number this was the first number one hip-hop song ever in the UK. And I was like, I don't think I've ever put that together you know which is really a it's a really wonderful though uh accolade to have and and what i found out was and i actually read other writers that wrote about uh the song they wrote articles that wrote about the ninja turtles movies and the music and they wrote about our song and one of the things they said is you know as underrated in some ways as it is compared to like you know jay-z and and other um, really great rap artists they said, one thing you guys may not realize about this fun little song is that it opened up a whole uh, a, a whole generation to listening to rap. Mm. And I hadn't thought about it that way. Because it's like, prior to that, it was like, if you were really into rap, you would have known rap music. But a lot of pop music people didn't know, really didn't know a lot of rap, especially around the world. But this song, sort of because of the the, the Turtles, being the, uh, the um, wonderful, well, we ended up being some ambassadors for them. But because of the popularity of the Turtles, the song went everywhere. And then people were like, well, what is this rhythmic rhyming stuff? But one of the things that people always say is, not only that, they'd say, well, we could actually, we understood what you were saying. So they were like, because there's some other rap stuff, they were like, I couldn't always catch the words. But yeah. there were a lot of people would say they.
0: Sorry, yeah. I, I never realized this before, but I, like you know, I I was a little white kid from upstate New York. I think this is probably yeah. I, I didn't realize it until you said that, but this is probably my instruction.
1: <laughs> it's true. Let me tell you, bro. Because because other than that, the the rap that was out was was pretty much uh what I wanna say. Um if you were a 10, 10 year old white kid, like you said, in the birds or whatever. You wouldn't have really known of some of this. You would have as an older teen, you might have come across it. But but at the at 10, you generally just wouldn't because it just it just wouldn't be on pop. It wasn't pop really everywhere yet. Even even stuff like the Sugar Hill Gang and other stuff, um, that was before the 10-year-olds at that time in the 90s. So what they were hearing, what that generation was hearing was new to them and different, and then they could hear it because there was some hardcore rap and fast raps that okay you might kind of like it but you couldn't understand everything yet yeah. uh even with the flow but this year, you know, they were I could I could understand what the people would tell me you know what I could understand all the lyrics so that was amazing I thought it was great That's,
0: now did it did it become a gold record I, I saw a picture on your Facebook
1: absolutely You're gold and, gold, and, and plat- gold and platinum amazing. uh and in the UK as well and the UK, like you said, was just amazing and a blessing that it was uh, that it was number one for four weeks. And and when I look at <laughs> we look back at we knocked out like Elton John and Madonna, whatever they had at that time. <laughs> and what I one thing I'm proud about is it wasn't just because it was another record. It still wasn't four weeks around that time, you know, uh, like Itsy Bitsy Yellow Polka Dot Bikini by Bamblarino somebody. Okay. which I'm not going to knock this song. But what I, uh, what I like about ours is, even though it was affiliated with a kids movie and all that, just like you said, anybody who's like, well, let's just listen to it for a bit. It's like, there's a lot happening in this record. It's not like a little throwaway thing. It's like it's dense with, like, with plot points and other stuff that people really enjoyed and could follow in the whole bit. It wasn't any little, you're not hearing the same 10 lyrics over and over. Yeah. You know, you're hearing you're hearing a story and so much to the fact I'm going to throw this to you. I, I might be jumping your gun on it because I, I see you've been doing your homework, which I like. I like how you're coming up with it. <laughs> so much so that by the time we got and you know, I think I know you heard about it. There's amazing shout out we got from Lin-Manuel Miranda um, I don't know you about
0: know, this. Forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm, I didn't do my homework. You, oh, Tell you me. don't know that. No. You
1: don't oh, know that? God. Oh wow, man. You got it. Oh man, you All got right. a big This is wonderful for you that. Honestly, bro. The the 2020 Oscars that just had February 2020. Okay. Right before COVID, lin Manuel Miranda goes on the Oscars and he's um introducing the best uh, uh best song in a motion picture. And he says, uh I, I don't have it exactly, but I'm paraphrasing. But well, he basically says that there's certain songs that touch you in a particular way when you watch a movie that forever connect you to a movie. And he started to name some songs like Rainbow Connection and I'm forgetting some of the other, but some other big songs. Sure. And then he goes, then he goes, T-U-R-T-L-E power by partners in Crown. Like he spells it out first. Of awesome. All. So when I tell you, like Twitter, my Twitter started blowing up, uh, Instagram, people started texting me. I was like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> and and they're like, they're like, dude, Liv Man Well just shouted you out at the at the Oscars. Um I there's one of this, the the most wonderful, you know, experiences of, of my recent uh, career. That was just amazing. And no. since then, by since then, he shot us out, out on Twitter and uh and on morning television. He was on the on the Kelly and Ryan show, and they and they asked him, what do you think about the influence of music with kids? And he's like, I, I can tell you to this day, there was a there was a movie that came out about turtles, and I like I know all the lyrics. And he and then he started to rap a little bit of it. Oh maybe maybe so cool. Yeah, let me tell you, bro. We loved it.
0: I, I that would have given me a good reason to watch the Oscars. thing. I had no idea.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I can. I'll, I'll also. Uh, you know what? Well, can I? will get the clip to you.
0: That's I'll so. Idea. That's great. So let me. Yeah,
1: no, it's awesome.
0: I wanted to ask you a little bit about the music video before I let you go. Do you have any memories from shooting the music video? Because I love the video.
2: Yeah, the videos. Like, the I videos. The a,
1: yeah. The, um, so the video was definitely uh, a lot of fun. It was very cold. I remember that. We started shooting. It was a 12-hour shoot. It went from like uh, 4 in the afternoon to like 4 in the morning. Um, we shot underneath the Manhattan Bridge in New York. Um, was part of it. Um, part of it was shot under there. Shot in a park uh, right around there as well as Times Square. Um they had two of the stuntmen, I believe, two of the stuntmen that shot with us, maybe if not the whole video, I thought, from uh, chi- China, two of the stunt guys that did the, the martial art fighting that were um, in the turtle costumes there. Um, just an amazing, like, a little surreal. Steve Barron was there, like you said, was the director uh, who had shot stuff for Michael Jackson and these guys. So. I mean, once things started moving, like you pointed out with the song and how how big it got, I mean, it just, you know, it snowballed, which was still a great feeling. But it's a little surreal when it's happening, (laughs) but it snowballed. Um, The video was a lot of fun, like I said, although it was cold out there. Um, The kids were out there with us into it. Uh, what's one of the things that I remember just, I think kind of, kind of just, again, it was just, it was surreal, but it was a, it was just a fun, a fun, amazing, amazing time.
0: I didn't realize Baron had directed the music video. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah.
0: Was there anybody Absolutely. else? Absolutely. A film that you've crossed paths with, uh, from the film, with Judith the It was there anybody else from the film yep. you Crossed paths with them.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, Judith Hogue, like you said, she's wonderful. I uh, have met Judith a couple of times. We did stuff together. We did the, uh, this summer that just passed, um, I think it was last year, we did the reunion. Oh, yeah. The 30, was... 30, uh, during the 30th year. Yeah. Did you get a chance that you checked it out?
0: Yeah, it was a script reading. It was awesome. It was it was fun. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Which was great. So they called me to to get involved, which it was a, an honor uh, for me to do that for sure with, uh, with uh, all the original actors, uh, a lot of them. Um. Yeah, Judith told Who else did we mentioned? Of course, Kevin Eastman's a wonderful, wonderful. Oh yeah, guy. he was
0: in the video too.
1: He was in a uh, rock the half Rock, rock the half Show So, yes. so Kevin's just just a just a great guy. I, I, I hung out with him at a number of appearances. Uh, we've done stuff together. Just a just a really cool. In addition to, to the great work he's done, he's just a great spirit. Uh, yeah. Very cool guy uh and his and his wife courtney and we've hung out all hung out and done work together um love that i've yet to meet i hope it'll happen peter laird as much as i've met and hung out with kevin i've never met uh peter laird so i'd love to do that uh one day for sure um a lot of the actors stunt guys that did a lot of the work with the turtles um like ken scott leaf tilden uh, a number of these guys that were there in the first picture, Ernie Reyes, Jr. I've met these guys. Amazing. Wonderful. Nick Palmer. Um, just really great guys um, actually knowing martial arts as well. Accomplished in that, as well as being uh, these actors and stuntmen. Really great meeting a lot of them. And I'm probably missing, you'll tell me, but uh, uh but most of the majors I've kind of had seen or met, but certainly by the time that reunion came around, that was great because there were people there that I interacted with that I'd not seen like Kevin Clash for Splinter, James Saito, uh, Shredder, uh, these guys just really great. Um, And of course, uh, Brian Henson, I never got to meet Jim Henson would have loved that, but his uh, son who's involved, in that script reading and all of that that they just did was my time to meet him then was amazing um i just love that i also did a little something for sesame street so that felt like that connected me to jim henson as well i did a song recently i don't know if you knew that oh yeah the anyway yes there you go look at that homework homework brian brian does his homework that's what's (laughs) up (laughs) yeah that was that was fun i wanted to do that and and uh, we may be, the future uh, might hold uh, opportunity to do more stuff for kids, kids related. And I'm looking forward to trying to do <clears throat> some other uh, Ninja Turtle related projects that I I can't fully speak on uh, yet. But there are some talks and uh, plans for 30th anniversary stuff that did not happen. So hopefully there'll be, all the fans will get to see some. Uh, new possible fun projects or shows that people can see in the near future, um, that that would be great. The COVID uh, obviously uh, stunted a lot of people's uh, plans of things they wanted to do, but we're thankful. You know, I'm a very spiritual guy. So I say thanks to God that this thing seems to be uh, coming to an end. I pray that it is Uh, a lot of lives were lost. Yeah. And hardships with friends we knew and people we knew uh and friends and family so i'm looking forward to better and brighter days for for all of us uh and new opportunities to get out socialize and have fun and enjoy life you know
0: hey, amen yeah absolutely it's yeah really have to finally start things see things turn around now so um, yeah i
1: like it i like your kevin eastman hat by the way go ahead yeah yeah yeah
0: i did yeah, I got <laughs> one of the many times yeah. i've managed to meet him at so he and you're right he's like, like a cool just like, just a nice, awesome, positive guy. He's just so great.
1: Yeah, he is, he is, he is. Go uh, ahead, what do you want to say? Do you have one, one or two others? Go ahead, throw them out. I you.
0: just want to talk about Rock the Half Shell, how that came about, and then, then I'll let you go.
1: Rock the Half Shell was uh, a long time, like wanted to do uh follow-up fun song to Turtle Power and had had that on the on the back burner or the or or, you know or tucked away for for a while but when it came towards the 25th anniversary i was like this is a good time i felt like i wanted to put something out in honor of uh just an ode out to the tmnt fans and all the stuff we did so it just seemed like a good time we had just finished doing the uh the video game um the out of the shadow video game. And, uh, which was great because Activision reached out to us Absolutely. to like, uh, yeah, with the game, uh, makers from it, they were like, listen, we, we really want to have, you know, part of the fun appeal of the, of this game is we wanted to have a, an original, you know, the old, the old school song in there that people remember and all that. So that was always, oh, that's a nice, you know, uh, Great compliment when people uh come to you on that level. So that was great to be in the project in that way to get in there. Um wait, where were we now? Wait, I'm almost forgetting. What where, was my no, train we my train from the track? And just like yes.
0: This. Yes.
1: Yeah. So is video,
0: yeah, it's great.
1: Yeah. So the video ended up being really fun. We were able to tie that together with an event we were doing uh in Texas. <laughs> and we did some stuff where we got a lot of the kids involved. You saw that. Yeah. Um, and and that was just a lot of fun to really just see them. And, and I think that's uh, still a lot of people don't really know about the song, but I'm hoping it's gonna get some other legs and stuff in the near future where people just get to see it more. Because people, when they do see it, they admit and they like that it's a nice fun song. Uh oh, very, and it brings back, yeah. And it was so great to written, get it like Kevin. two
0: years, probably two, three years ago. And I was like, how the hell do I not? I think it came out in 2015. I
1: was like, oh, I already know about this. <laughs> yes. So I would just say, you know, again, what's the only good thing about that is there's an opportunity in the future that if it gets on another little larger platform, other people still may like it and find it and get involved with it. So it's different than obviously I didn't have any kind of super huge distribution marketing other than what we did. But a lot of the... Uh, True fans already know about it and love it and have it, but I'm hoping it'll get some other uh, legs and some life. But it was so nice that Kevin agreed and uh, Courtney that they agreed. They wanted to be uh, in the video. They'd be in it just showing the fun that was happening. All the kids we had at the event that danced and performed with the the, the cosplay guys that are themselves, a lot of stunt stunt men, all of the guys that participated in helping to make it and in, in the authentic, also 90s uh, Ninja Turtle costumes. We love that. Uh, TMNT Van, all these guys that were involved. Daniel Bravo was one of the guys that uh, did the early suits that we used in there. Uh, DB's Turtles, um, Johnny Huang, a lot of these guys that were great that I do work with and they still do work with now. They tour around. Um, with vanilla ice and some others with your with the old school um cosplay look costumes which brings a lot of fun to the shows you can imagine yeah that it's just it's just a nice a heartwarming uh fun feeling to see the turtles there the life-size turtles up there with you so <laughs> that's been a that's the been double
0: a fun you, vanilla ice doing your stitch yeah you. would love yes
1: that. yes well you know I'll just say that, uh, that doesn't. That's not in the realm of impossibility. That's what I'm just gonna say on that. All right, cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> there so been other fans that
0: One, one awesome lyric from "Rock the Half Shell," which was "Forget the back signal, just hold up a pizza," which I bring.
1: Yes, like. I like that. Thank you, thank <laughs> you. I, I felt like that. <laughs> <That's>
0: <laughs> and, really and,
1: and look at, and there was the crossover, right? When did the When did the Batman? Oh right, yeah, that's, Crossover that's, happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we, I think we were before the crossover.
0: Yeah. Probably by a, a year or two. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but it, it just, it just kind of, it seemed to fit, That's awesome, uh, you know? So I appreciate that, man. Thanks so much. It's been a lot of fun. It's been, it's been great. And I hope to, I hope to be able to keep doing some other fun things, man. So have everybody look out for us on, on Twitter, I'm yes. mostly on on Instagram. Yeah.
0: Instagram's the biggest it,
1: one for you. Instagram, Facebook is there. I kind of uh, until I start really going back at it. Facebook's there, you know. It's uh, it's it's set, um, pretty much. But Instagram, I think I move on there the most, and I'll hit Twitter every now and then for sure. Yeah, I yeah.
0: Instagram. I see you mostly on there, so that's I know. Yep. That for sure. Um, in my last question. I think you answered this a little bit already, but uh, your favorite Ninja Turtle. You said it was Leo. Why is that?
1: Well, I, I I can't I couldn't leave it as Leo, but what I've realized, okay, because uh, because I'll add to that, what well, what I've certainly realized is uh, I definitely played a lot of the lead catalysts for the group uh, from the from the inception uh, of Partners in Crime to right where we are today. So Jim, even uh, my wonderful partner, he's kind of he's pretty much retired from music uh as he stands now but but we're still in contact we we spoke recently and he's like like, hey rich anything you're doing you want to do you know i'm all for it and and do your thing with it yeah so we're very cool in that respect he did a little music after us a bit but i think he just kind of got besides doing his other work and other things he's doing he just kind of got jaded on the business a bit And I still had asked him, you want to come out? Like when we were doing a rock dash, I was like, nah, man, I'm good. That's all you. But uh, if you need something, let me know. (laughs) So, so the love is still there uh, for sure, for sure. But um, yeah, he's fine. All the, all the guys, uh, everybody is, is pretty good. It's good right now. Yeah.
0: Well, Richard, thanks so much for being with me. I, I, I really appreciate talking to you. This is, this is great. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Brian. Uh, wait now. Oh, that's we're going. What was the last, wait, wait, wait. The last thing you had said. I Sorry. Your favorite turtle. I'm
0: sorry.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. That was me. That was me. That's why. Cause I started talking about us. So you could, you might have some editing to do. Uh, my no favorite. All right. My favorite turtle, uh, Leonardo, just like I said, because of, um, I realized how much leadership, Um, But the Raphael, in terms of my attitude at times, I know it's there, and I I, I, I know my RAF side is there a bit, and my love for gadgets, Donatello all day, uh, that has always kind of kept me uh, a little young and and fun with my love for gadgets. And Mikey, you know, I definitely have a fun joke around side. But just as I've gotten old, I realize when the business hits, I realize I've kind of Taking the Leo role, and in, and in the most way, I'll say this, the thing I like about Leonardo's character is not realizing that, not him saying, I'm the leader, um, meaning I'm the best and the only one who could do it, but for the guy who always looks to find a way to pull the team together. And I think really that's more my spirit. What yeah. teams can I put together? How can I get built, help build the team that's going to be exceptional in what they do? And that's more my spirit, for sure.
0: Very cool, well said. Uh, again, thanks so much. It's just been such a pleasure to have you. Thanks for talking to me. This is great.
1: Thank you, Brian. And uh, we had a lot of fun. The, the video it went longer than I than I I'm thought, but you, you know that. what? Nah, man, it was fun. I liked it because you did good. your homework. It was good. Oh, those
0: Lindman Well Veranda clips. That's awesome. That's so great.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's. I'll track. It's them even down. on, I'll just try and send you it quickly. Yeah, YouTube definitely has it. But I think I'll send you some email. Uh, send an email to me of your um, your phone number.
0: Sure, will do.
1: Okay, my friend.
0: Thank you so much. Take care.
1: You got it, too.
2: Over
0: the half-shell, they're
2: the heroes for In this day and age, who could ask for more? The crime wave is high, with buggings mysterious All police and detectives are furious Because they can't find the source Of this lethally evil force reporter was hot on the trail determined to put these crooks in jail she spied the bad guys and saw what happened but before she knew it she fell in a trap and got caught yeah, she was all alone, with no friends and no phone Now this was beyond her worst dreams Cause she was cornered by some wayward teens Headed by Shredder, they were anything but good Misguided on love, they called them the foot They could terrorize and be angry youth And they'd mug the people who needed proof Then from out of the dark came an awesome sound Shouted cowabunga as they hit the ground From the field of weeds, the heroes rescued the flower Cause they possessed turtle pie To do what's right, that's turtle power. Girls on a half shell, they're on a mission. When there's a battle, got the enemy wishing that they stayed at home. Instead of fighting these ninja masters with moves like lightning They were once normal, but now the mutants Sprint is the teacher, so they are the students Leonardo, Michelangelo, and Donatello Make up the team with one other fellow, Raphael He's the leader of the group, transformed from the norm by the nuclear group Pizza's the food that's sure to please These ninjas are into pepperoni and cheese Back to the story, it's not hard to find Ninjas not just of the body, but of the mind Those were the words that the master instructed But a letter from Shredder had Splinter abducted That was the last straw, spring into action Step on the foot, now they're gonna lose traction Now this is for real, so you fight for justice Your shell is hard, so you shout They can't dust us off Like some old coffee table Since you've been born, you've been willing and able To defeat the snake, protect the weak Fight for rights and your freedom to speak. Now a villain is chilling, so you make a stand. Back to the wall with your sword in your hand. Remember the words of your teacher, your master. Evil moves fast, but good moves faster than light. Shining for your illumination. Good versus evil equals confrontation. So when you're in trouble, don't give in and go sour. Try to rely on your eternal power. RTLV, power. power. power.